Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. So um, we're going to jump into the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, go up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll kind of look a little more into this story. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would meet us here tonight. I thank you for your presence that we've already felt. I pray that you would anoint me, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us through your word and speak through me tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today I want to walk through uh, just the first few chapters of Jonah together. It's a very short book. It's only four chapters long. And I'm going to look at the first three. It's only 48 verses total. But there's so much that happens in this small little book. And Jonah has really been on my mind. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Donovan asked me to speak, for some reason he popped in my mind immediately. Um... So I'd like to start by saying I personally 100% believe that the things that happened in this book actually happened. I don't think that they're a metaphor for anything. I think that, like we learned in Sunday school, that Jonah actually got swallowed by a fish. And the reason I think this, and I know it's, it's so bizarre, but... Honestly, and I think you guys can agree that God specializes in bizarre things. He, he's a God of miracles. He does some crazy stuff. And he, he's able to do anything. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 through 41, Jesus kind of gives Jonah a shout out. And so this is in the New Covenant. And, of course, Jonah is in the Old Testament. And so Jesus says this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so what's happening is Jonah is like a foreshadow of Jesus. He was in the fish for three days and three nights, just like Jesus was in the tomb for three days before he was resurrected. And he just goes on to say that, um, Someone greater than Jonah is here, referring to himself. And today I want to look at some of Jonah's mistakes and God's mercy throughout his journey to the wicked city of Nineveh. I want us to notice God's relentless mercy in the middle of Jonah's willful disobedience. Right out of the gate, we see Jonah's reluctance. God speaks to Jonah in verse 1. He says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment because I have seen how wicked the people are. 
And just a couple of verses later, in verse 3, Jonah, like we looked at, gets up and goes in the opposite direction. This is kind of funny because Jonah was a man of the word. He knew many of the Psalms, and we'll see that a little bit later on. But the thing that's puzzling is Jonah thinks that he's actually going to run away from God, which is a theological impossibility. There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can hide. God's presence is always there with you, which is very reassuring and comforting unless you're Jonah because <laughs> he's trying to get away and he's desperate. In Psalm 139, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grace, you're there. I could even ask the darkness to hide and the light around me to become night. But God is still there. And in Hebrews, it also says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So we see that there is absolutely no way to escape. So think of a time that maybe you wanted to get out of a situation so badly. The one that comes to my mind is a couple of years ago, I was actually working with Jason. And um, we were working for Fresh Cuts. We were cutting some yards. And there's this stuff called ground cover. At least that's what we call it. I think it's actually called jasmine. And it can grow up about that high. And um, so a lot of people want it maintained. And I had the privilege of weed eating that day. And so I'm reluctantly weed eating the ground cover because personally I have seen some stuff that has come out of that, like snakes and rats, not to scare you if you have any of this. But this particular day I was just, I was weed eating, minding my own business, and some stuff was flying up, leaves and such, like normal. And all of a sudden I feel something hit my ear, and it is very excruciating. And then I feel another thing hit my arm, and come to find out, I had hit a yellow jacket nest. And luckily, I got away with only three stings. But I say all that to say is in that moment, I was running as fast as I possibly could have. So <laughs> what's even worse, though, is Jonah finds himself in a much worse predicament. And um, he is trying to get away as well. So he, like I said, he's headed to Nineveh. This is a super corrupt and wicked city that God has asked him to go to. And we can learn a little bit about the wickedness of Nineveh in the book of Nahum, chapter 3. I'm not going to read it, but it basically just describes how wicked Nineveh really is. And it also prophesies the judgment that awaits them. And so this... Jonah, a God-fearing man, is about to walk into this country. And so, rationally speaking, he has all the right in the world to maybe be a little afraid or fearful, at least in my opinion. And so, while Jonah is attempting his getaway, God decides to whip up a huge storm. Many of us have heard this story time and time again in Sunday school. But what's... Another thing that's puzzling here is Jonah seems to be totally at peace 
with this storm going on around him because he's in the bunker sound asleep. And the crew is on board, and they are extremely fearful. They start throwing all of their belongings and their cargo overboard. So they're just, they're freaking out. And they throw as much as they can over. They're even praying to the gods that they believe in, which isn't the same God that Jonah believes in. And in verse 4, it says, the storm was so powerful that it threatened to break the ship apart. So that's an extremely powerful storm. I imagine the waves are crashing onto the ship. Water and wood are probably flying everywhere. It was probably even worse than Hurricane Barry. Pieces of wood are ripping off the boat. And I like to imagine that maybe some fish are like flopping on the boat, trying to get back in the, into the water. Um, here's a random question. Has anybody ever been on a sinking ship before? Or a, a boat that may have been sinking? Funny story, I actually have been. <laughs> um, so I used to live in a little town called Sarepta. It's in North Louisiana, just minutes away from Arkansas. And we would uh, drive a few hours north and go to a town called Hot Springs for family vacations. And at the time, my grandparents had an uh, a RV. And so, but this particular time, I'm with my grandparents in the RV, but we have some friends coming. There's about eight of us total. My parents are there. And we decide to rent a barge for the day. We're on the lake having a great time. We've packed some snacks. And uh, I'm, if I had to guess, I'm probably 12 or 13 at this time. And my dad says, Aaron, would you like to drive the boat? And so anxiously, I say, anxiously and excitingly, I say yes, and I agree. And so I go back, and I'm not doing too much. I'm just barely adjusting the throttle and occasionally bumping the steering wheel. But all of a sudden, and this sounds like a dream. It's hard for me to even believe it happened now telling it. But I am not kidding you. The front of this boat starts going into the lake. And here I am in the captain's chair, the only person that can be to blame. And so my dad frantically runs to the back. I pull the throttle back. Everybody is pale, including me. I'm surprised I didn't pass out. And uh, so somehow the boat decides to come back above water, thankfully. Uh, nobody fell overboard, but the front of this boat did go in, in, into the water. It, it was as bad as it sounds. And um, so as scared as I was, here's Jonah, here's these people, their, their ship is about to go under. And the sailors find that Jonah is somehow asleep. I know that I wasn't asleep when this boat was sinking, but Jonah in the middle of this powerful storm is um, is somehow asleep. And so they go and wake him up and they, they start questioning him. Who are you? What's your occupation? What country are you from? They want to know who this guy is. They're trying to get to the bottom of what this storm is all about. Why is it here? And so in verse 10, we see the sailors were terrified 
when they heard this from Jonah, for he had already told them that he was running from the Lord. They said, oh, why did you do it? And they groaned and they complained. And they finally asked Jonah, how can we stop this storm? And so desperate times call for desperate measures. And Jonah is willing to sacrifice himself. And he says, the only way you're going to stop this storm is if you throw me overboard. That's pretty brave of Jonah. (laughs) So now at this point, Jonah has not only gotten himself in trouble, but he's pulled this entire crew into the story. And when we run from God or we try to run from his will, we can definitely find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. And that's where Jonah is right now. And so, like I said, not only is he running from God, but he's dragged these innocent people into this storm. Also, at the same time, the people of Nineveh desperately need God and desperately need to hear the message that Jonah has for them. And here he is procrastinating in this storm. Let me clarify. Not all storms and not all problems or hardships are because of disobedience. We know that it does rain on the just and the unjust. We, we can't always avoid the storm. Um, I believe that the storms are a, a powerful thing in our life if we allow them to be. And if we look at this moment with just the right perspective we can see that God is actually preserving Jonah's life. Rich Wilkerson puts it this way. Don't mistake God's provision for God's punishment. And in my opinion, this storm that's happening isn't God punishing Jonah because he's running away, but we know that God is merciful. He's slow to anger. He's very gracious He has compassion on Jonah. He has compassion on these sailors. He has compassion on the people of Nineveh. And so this is God's provision. It's it's God's way of getting Jonah out of this trouble. In other words, provision is providing or supplying something for use. And so that's what this storm is. Sometimes if we allow it, the storms can actually preserve us. What you might look at as a storm might actually be God's saving grace. And if we allow it, it could literally propel us into our destiny. Even if we're off track to begin with, we see that with Jonah because Jonah isn't in the will of God. You know, a lot of times we get scared. Am I in the will of God? Am I out of the will of God? Well, I've got news for you, good news. And that is, whether right now you're in the will of God or out of it, or maybe you don't know, God can still get you back on track. If not, he can still use you right where you are. Don't overthink it. Allow God to lead you. It's like Joseph in Genesis. He said to his brothers after his brothers portrayed him, what the enemy intended for harm, God intended intended for good. I like to imagine that the devil is probably rejoicing about now. The storm is going on. Jonah's running away. The devil's pretty happy, but God's grace saves Jonah. So let me encourage you. 
Look at your storm with the right perspective. Look at it as maybe God's saving grace. And I'll give you a, a personal example. Um, a few years ago, I uh, actually it was probably more like four years ago, I had just started my journey on uh, self-employment. And uh, so that means that nobody held out taxes for me. I was in charge of keeping up with all that myself. And I was young and a little dumb. And so March rolls around, and I'm like, okay, I got to go get my taxes prepared. And so I just go to H&R Block. And long story short, I'm, I'm sitting in this office, and this lady looks at me and says, well, it looks like you're only going to owe $1,200. And to me at that time was such a blow. <laughs> I did not know where that $1,200 was coming from. And so I break out into a cold sweat, <laughs> and I'm honestly, I'm fighting back tears at this point. I am distraught. And so <laughs> after a few little uh, tricks and me scrounging for tax write-offs and some mileage, we get it down to like $800, which to me wasn't that much better. And uh, so anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks. I leave the office. I'm going to a conference where I'm playing music with a good friend of mine. I walk through the doors, and I'll never forget this moment. I walk through the doors, and we have some small talk. And he says, Aaron, I don't know why, but I just feel led to give you this. And it was a check for $100. And I know you may be thinking, well, that's not 800 But when I tell you April 15th rolled around, and I paid my taxes, I had exactly $100 left over for gas and food for the rest of that week. And I know without a doubt that that was God answering my prayer. And I, I was in a storm then. I was in a, a financial storm. And since then, I'd like to say I've, I've learned a lot. I do keep up with that stuff now. It's no longer a surprise to me. But at that time, I was terrified. And so... I say all that to say, to prove my point even further, God can save you through the storm. He can provide for you. The, sailor, they, the sailors, they realize the storm isn't getting any better. <clears throat> and so they finally decide to give Jonah the boot. So they throw Jonah overboard. And in verse 17, it says that the Lord, so gracefully had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. This is where the story gets a little bizarre. And so Jonah not only is swallowed by this fish, but is inside the fish for three days. I, I cannot imagine. But I do kind of love to imagine what being inside this fish must have been like. And I actually have an image of Jonah going into the great fish there. I'm just kidding, that's Pinocchio. <laughs> but honestly, uh, let's take a moment with me to imagine what this fish is actually like. We aren't really sure what kind of fish it is. Some speculate that it is a well. But the, the Bible says that God just simply prepared a fish. And so it could have been a well or it could have been a uh, fish specifically 
designed for this moment because he is God after all. And for some reason, I doubt very seriously that it's super roomy in this fish. When I watch Pinocchio, it he goes into this well and his father has this raft and this little hut and they're like fishing inside the well. I, I just can't imagine that that's what it was really like. What I actually think is that the fish was probably very stinky, very uncomfortable. It was an extremely tight space. So if Jonah was claustrophobic at all, this was a nightmare. <coughs> it was probably very hot. And to be honest, it was probably quite painful. Some theologians actually believe that Jonah died in the fish. I don't know if that actually happened. It would make sense. But let's face it, none of this story makes logical sense. So whether he died or not, Jonah does get out of the fish alive. But before we get to that point, I want to kind of look at chapter 2 and take a look at Jonah's prayer while he's in the fish. And I'm just going to read these. Um, It's 10 verses. It says this. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called out to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed around me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Imagine that. Sounds dreadful. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows. So here Jonah promises, God, I'm going to do what you called me to do. It's taken this fish to get my attention, but here I am. I surrender to you. And then finally, the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So a lot goes on in this prayer. So let's just take a moment to break it down. What did Jonah do in the fish? Well, one thing he did is he prayed, obviously. He prayed and he let God worry about it. He, I don't see any signs of him being anxious. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing and pray about everything. There's no circumstance that is too silly or too small for you to say a prayer about. You should pray about absolutely everything. God will answer that prayer. Secondly, we see that Jonah shows apparent signs of having faith. He's believing that God is hearing his prayer from this fish. Um, Also, we see that Jonah praised God while in the fish. So as Casting Crowns once said, he was praising him in his storm. 
He prayed the word, and he knew it by heart. He referenced three different psalms while he's in the fish. He, I don't think that he had the Gideon's pocket New Testament. I don't think he had a Bible in there. So clearly he had memorized some of the word. He had internalized God's word. And here he is. His prayer is very, very influenced by these three psalms. He repents. He asks God to forgive him. He vows God, I'll do exactly what you want me to do. Has anybody ever asked God or told God, God, not my will, but thine be done? That's what Jonah's doing right here. And we'll see that that God's will does get accomplished. And uh, lastly, Jonah renews his commitment. And Jonah allowed this storm to put him back on track. Here's what Jonah did not do. It would have been really easy for Jonah to get mad at God, to shake his fist. After all, he was in a fish for three days. I know Jonah made some mistakes, but being just a regular human, he totally could have decided that he's not going to obey God even after all of this. And so because of Jonah's humility and repentance, God used him and his message at Nineveh to to get an entire country to repent of their sins. This was a huge deal. This this country was, it was wild. I don't know what all was going on there, but God, who is slow to anger, was angry about what's going on in the city, so apparently it was pretty bad. And Jonah gets this whole nation to surrender to God. I can't help but wonder if Jonah was able to preach the word that God gave him with maybe a little more conviction or a little more passion because of what he just went through. Sometimes when we come out on the other side, we're a little bit more humble. We're a little more able to relate to people. We're a little more able to be um, patient with people. Sometimes when you haven't gone through a situation that somebody else may have went through, you might not be able to relate with them quite as much. You may not have quite as much patience with them. You might write them off. And sometimes as humans, that's just what we do. But I can't help but believe because of all of this, Jonah was able to have a little more grace and mercy on these people. And I love this. Right after Jonah gets spit out by this well, in chapter 3, verse 1, God says exactly what he did in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. He says the, the same exact wordage. And he says, Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I've given to you. He says the exact same thing, which leads me to believe that this is a brand new start for Jonah. It's like none of that had ever happened. God says, Jonah, I know you ran away. Jonah, I know you made some mistakes. You made some selfish selfish decisions, but I'm willing to use you anyway. And so Jonah gets a new beginning. Here's what I want you guys to know. 
You may have tried to run away from God's calling or God's will, whatever that looks like for you. You may think that you've gone too far. Perhaps you've spent time running and you didn't even realize it until right now. Maybe God's talking to you about something that he wants you to do that he asked you to do a long time ago. I pray that God opens our eyes and helps us to see what that may be, if it is anything. Because I have some great news for you. If it is you, God's mercies are new every single day. God's grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for us. God died on the cross. I I like to point this out too. This whole story is Old Testament stuff. It's Old Covenant. And Pastor Donovan mentions it all the time. But if God's grace and mercy are so powerful in, in this book of Jonah, despite his disobedience and despite Jesus not have come to the earth yet and his Holy Spirit isn't here yet in the way that it is now, how much more is God willing to forgive us? How much more is God willing to show his grace and mercy on us? So perhaps you find yourself in a similar situation to Jonah's. What is your fish? What is your storm? What seems to have held you back? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it some things that maybe God has asked you to get out of your life that you haven't done yet? Let me say this. Your fish or your storm can spit you right back into your destiny. Just like it spit Jonah back into his destiny and back into the will of God. Let's all stand together. Jesus has a way of getting you exactly where you need to be. God's grace is sufficient. And according to Titus, his grace is a teacher. His grace teaches us how to live a godly life. So what possibly is God teaching you right now? What's the storm teaching you? Who are you going to be able to impact or relate to after this storm's over? Today is a new beginning because God's mercies are new every single day. And I believe your first step in the right direction can be a step to the front here. And the reason I say that, not because God's more powerful down here, but because it could symbolize that, God, I surrender. It's like Jonah, whenever he allowed those sailors to throw him overboard. He allowed it. How bizarre is that? Just like Jonah allowed that, maybe God wants you to take a step to symbolize that you surrender and that you trust him because I think that that required some trust in God for Jonah to go over the edge of that boat. It required some major trust and faith. After all, the waves were huge. The the storm was impeccable. These sailors, they, they sail the sea for a living, I'm sure. 
and they're terrified. I'm sure they've seen a lot of storms. All you have to do is repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I surrender to you. I recommit my life to you. And just ask him for some direction, for some guidance and confidence. Jonah had a specific word. God actually spoke to him. And from the way I understand it, it seems like God audibly spoke to Jonah, which wasn't out of the ordinary in that time. And so Jonah knew exactly what he was supposed to do. Sometimes we may, may not know exactly what we're supposed to do. And that's okay. Because all you have to do is just say, God, I'm sorry if I've sinned. I'm sorry if I've ran. And I recommit my life to you. Speak to me again. God's willing to speak to you again. He spoke to Jonah a second time. He, he re-instructed Jonah. So right now, if you don't mind, let's all just come down front for just a minute. I want us to pray together. Recommit our lives, recommit our passions to him. And let me say this. You are the man or the woman for this job. Whatever God has called you to do, God will enable you to do. God desperately wanted Jonah to fulfill this mission. God could have seen that Jonah ran away and said, you know what, I'm going to use somebody else. But he didn't. He decided Jonah's the man for the job, and I'm not going to give up on him until he surrenders to me. God's not going to give up on you until you surrender to him. You're the man or the woman for the job. God has enabled you to do what he's called you to do. He has a specific purpose for you, and you can do it. Just go for it. Just take the first step. It may be scary, but God is right there with you. Allow your storm or whatever the situation to put you right back into your destiny. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. We thank you for your relentless mercy, your relentless grace, your relentless love, God. There's nothing that we can do to separate us from your love, God. You are almighty. You're all powerful. God, you can enable us to do anything you've called us to do. You are faithful, Jesus. And we dedicate, we give our lives to you, God. We recommit our lives to you. We surrender to you, Jesus. Speak to us. Give us clear direction. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.